0: Hi everyone, it's another month in the books for language school, so thank you, thank you, thank you for your prayers and support in that. Um, We've been really encouraged, and um,
1: thank you. Funny story, the last two weeks we've been very sick with many different factors. That's not the funny part. That's not the funny part. The funny part is, um, yesterday when I got dressed, I put on jeans instead of the leggings or sweatpants that I had been wearing every day two weeks to our online classes and Clara looked at me and said mama are we going to church today and I said no not today we'll go on Sunday why and she said why are you wearing that and I was like you mean jeans and a sweater yeah those are church clothes you don't wear those it was so funny so note to self maybe don't wear sweats every day for two weeks and maybe branch out a little bit more from that but all that to say, we're in our midterm break. Uh, we're about halfway through the semester and we've learned a lot, and we're excited to see how God continues to teach us as the semester continues to proceed.
0: Like Melissa said, we were sick for about two weeks. We're still on the tail end of it, but we are getting better. And We're so thankful for our church family here in Chattanooga for its rallying around us, bringing meals, and um, just helping take care of us. So, so blessed by that. Um, it would have been much more difficult um, if the body of Christ wasn't working as the body of Christ.
1: We would have been the uh, radical cereal. radical cereal. So, how can you be praying for us in the next month or so? Uh, you can pray that God will continue to give us ears to hear and a mouth to speak French well. And a mind to comprehend all of the different nouns and verbs and pronouns and conjugations and all those things. So you can pray for that. You can also pray for our kiddos, specifically for their salvation. Uh, But also just God will give their hearts peace while we're here in Tennessee for however long that is.
0: As always, you can catch uh, up-to-date information on our blog at www.batsabroad.com. We look forward to catching up with you again next month.
1: See you later.
2: our focus throughout the summer months and we host retreats mission teams and construction teams throughout the rest of the year we exist to see kids youth and adults come to a personal relationship with jesus christ and to glorify his name everything we do revolves around that
3: most of the youth and kids that come to our camps are unchurched, which means that we have a unique opportunity to minister to them and their families in hopes that they come to know Christ and and become a part of a community of believers. We need churches uh, to bring mission teams to help with our summer camps and help us with our many construction projects and needs as we grow. Um, We also are looking for God to provide more churches and individuals to partner with us through financial giving. Um, You can find out more about how you can partner with us financially or just in our needs and our projects. Uh, on, our, on our website, which is org, And I'm gonna let Carrie tell you a little story about this past summer.
2: Yeah, so 2020 was an uh, interesting year. It was our first year as directors at Laverne Griffin Camp. But I just wanted to share a quick story of a camper with you. Um, youth camp was canceled. We couldn't get teams up here from the lower 48, and I had to call, make phone calls to parents and send emails all day saying, hey, look, we, we can't have youth camp. Um, just Probably an hour after I sent out a first email, I got one back from a grandmother um, who said she was just in tears that her grandson. Uh, she really wanted him to come to camp. He was. I talked about suicide. He felt hopeless, and she was afraid he would actually follow through with it. Um, we cried. We prayed together as a team, and the Lord allowed us to have youth camp. We rescheduled. Um, this kid got to come. He had a smile on his face the whole week. He had awesome time with his peers but most of all we got to hear god's big love for him Um, and we're continuing to pray for his salvation
3: and that he comes into a personal relationship with the lord yeah so awesome and that's just one example of many of why we do what we do and uh, we're just so thankful for you guys for all your support and how you've uh, been through uh, through all this with us by our side and uh through our prayer through prayer support and financial support and uh, we just love you guys so much thank you
0: and to see the faces. Share the the praise and glory of God as we get together. And for you people at uh, home that are watching uh, uh, on the electronic means, uh, welcome to you. And uh, when you can, please join us here (laughs) in the physical church as well. But uh, as we thank you for the opportunity to be here, to praise you, and to worship you, and lift our voices together, to communicate with each other, and to communicate with you in prayer. And we hope to hear your word returned to us in the message this morning in ways that we can decipher. Thank
4: Before I bring my need, I will bring my
5: heart.
6: Y'all look looking at me like you've never seen me before. Uh, How you doing? I'm all right. It's cold. It's cold this morning. Alaska. You know, there's the percentage of you that dig this and... God, I pray your health care cover that mental health issue. A um, couple things before we get rolling. I just want to, uh, one, uh, give a shout out to uh, Jim and Karen for uh, kind of picking up the, uh, the heavy lifting on the worship this morning. Uh, yeah, yeah, because if it wasn't them, God forbid, it might have been me. And well, ain't none of us need that. Um, but to, to a bigger uh, issue, to a larger extent, it's good, and it's good that you know that um, you know our church is not built on a personality or any one person or any one group of people, and that you know there's there's other people that can lead music, there's other people that can uh, deliver a message. I'm um, told there's at least one person in the house right now who has a backup message ready to go. Um so should I, you know, all of a sudden check out or if we decide mine just doesn't measure up, we can rewind and we can bring in, you know, the relief pitcher and it's all going to be good. Um and it's good, you know, on our on our tech stuff back there, we've got multiple people who do multiple things. Um so it's good that we're never any one place where like just one person can bring the whole house of cards tumbling down. But uh, that also goes to say that if you, here this morning or out there, whenever you are out there, um, if you ever get it in your head that you would like to come and be part of this, you know, there's always, there's always somewhere we can plug people in. Um, you know, we don't make like active use of our light bar, our light system right now, because we don't have anybody really running the lights, um, but we'd like to. Uh, You know, so if you'd like to run lights or you'd like to learn how to run the media stuff or you'd like to learn how to run video or you'd like to learn how to run something that I'm sure Tracy has some insane plan for that just hasn't come to reality yet, let us know. Come and be part um, because it's a lot of fun and maybe it's kind of just that one thing that God has held specifically in reserve for you and you are just wasting a lot of time. So throw that out there. Uh, A couple quick announcements uh, just to keep in mind. One, I think I have it on fairly good information that at least one of the Canup clan will be in the house next Sunday morning. So, you know, if nothing else has gotten you to start showing your mug back up in church, uh, you won't be showing your mug because you're still going to be masked up. But, you know, maybe this is time. That would be a good reason to, you know, Meet with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. as defined by daylight savings, which means there's like eight of us still left in the world who either have clocks that physically need to be set ahead or you just don't trust. Anybody in the just don't trust category? I mean, everybody, you know, your phone and your alarm clock and your computers and everything's automatically going to set at like two o'clock in the morning. I know. No. I set a, I go to bed, I set a cooking timer for eight hours. And that is what I wake up to because I just don't trust that the technology is going to work the way you say it is. So all that to say, next Sunday, next Saturday night, Sunday morning, that's the day We go ahead one hour, which means you lose out on that hour of sleep. So, I don't know, weird idea, go to bed early? That's what I'm thinking. All right, so all that out of the way, let us continue uh, in our adventure through the book of Mark. We are in Mark chapter 10, and we are picking the story up a a little bit down the road from where Tracy left off last week. We're picking up in verse 17. The young man saying to Jesus, "'Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth.' And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, "'You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me.'" Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions." Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we we have left everything and we followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. All right. Already, there's people getting antsy, getting fidgety, Because we're talking about money. For the record, I personally do not enjoy talking about money. That's why it is fortunate that this uh, chunk of scripture we're looking at here is not, in fact, about money. So stick with me. So, Jesus and his guys have decamped from the northern part of Israel. They've spent a large majority of Jesus' three years of ministry up kind of based around the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee uh, in a place called Capernaum. Capernaum. And uh, because of whatever, whatever biological clock, whatever spiritual clock Jesus is working on, he knows time has come. He knows that that whatever moment, and uh, you know, he he knows the Passover is coming and he knows he has to be in Jerusalem for this Passover. Was it this Passover in Jerusalem because this was the one that was ordained, or was it just that, you know, if if it had taken seven more years before the disciples sort of really clued into what he was doing, it would have been seven Passovers down the road? I don't know. But the time is coming, the time grows short. So they have traveled down from the northern part of Israel. Uh, They have entered into the region of Judea and they've crossed over, crossed the Jordan, and they're hanging out, they're doing a little bit of, you know, they're kind of sightseeing on the way. Uh, They're kind of doing the thing where, you know, you it's sort of like if you've ever been on the way home, and like you're like two turns from the house, and like your jam comes on the radio. So you like circle the block or the circle the block like two, three or more times so that, you know, you can finish listening to the song. There's at least four people in the house who know what I'm talking about. So it's not just me. So they're hanging out. Uh, They spent some time there. It's not a region they've traveled in heavily, but, you know, they're kind of stopping through on their way to Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus is saying... Uh, you know, guys, it's it's time we should be moving on. We we need to get going. We've got stuff to accomplish. So they're packing up, and they're getting ready to uh, start heading back across the Jordan uh, on their way to Jerusalem. And this guy comes running up. And he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he says, Rabbi, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Now, we call this the the story of the rich young ruler. Um, We know he's rich because it's going to enter into the conversation here in about a minute. But ruler, nothing in this part of the story says this guy was a ruler of any kind. Uh, Nothing, as as, uh, this incident was related in the book of Matthew, tells us he was a ruler of any kind. But fortunately, we have the book of Luke. And remember, Tracy said last week, Luke was like an investigative journalist. Luke was like the Josh Mankiewicz of Dateline of the New Testament. We thought he was just a rich guy. But it turns out he was a ruler. Josh Mankiewicz, Dateline. Um, There's some reason to think he might have been a religious ruler. Uh, maybe, Maybe a a head muckety-muck of the local synagogue, perhaps. Um, we get the impression from kind of some of the ways he presented himself. So one, he's, he's asking about eternal life. Now, we know of the religious factions of the time, the Sadducees, Pharisees, Sadducees, so said, you see. The Sadducees did not believe in eternal life. So he probably wasn't a Sadducee because he's asking about eternal life. And uh, he has this whole thing. Where Jesus says off, you know, keep the commandments, honor your father and mother, do not lie, do not cheat, do not steal, uh, do not uh, do all these things. And he, he comes with, the young man comes with the, I have done all these things since my youth. Uh, it's very reminiscent of uh, an interaction with Paul later on in the, in, the, uh, in the New Testament. So this is a guy who seems on the God front... To have his act together. He says, I've done all the stuff you just said. Is there anything else I have to do? Um, One of the versions, either, either Matt or Luke, says, he brings up the question, is there anything I lack? And Jesus does indicate, yes, there is in fact one thing you lack. And the thing that drives me nuts is Jesus never actually says what he lacks. He says, you lack one thing, go do this thing. Well, normally you lack one thing and here's the one thing you lack. It's this. And to resolve this, go do that. Jesus just jumps straight to the point. And it's... It's so, I, I, for me, this is so interesting because Jesus says, it, it says Jesus looked at him and Jesus loved him. And Jesus said, go do this thing. Go sell everything you have and then you will have eternal life and not just eternal life, but you can come and follow me. And just in, in my mind, I'm like, what is the criteria Jesus uses ...to determine who does and doesn't get to come and follow him. He runs into a rich tax collector named Matthew... ...and he says, you, come and follow me. He runs into a rich tax collector named Zacchaeus... doesn't make the same offer. He has other people. He, He heals them of whatever it is that ails them... ...and says, don't tell anybody. He heals other people and says, all right, no, you can't follow me, but go tell everybody what I did. He heals other people and says, yeah, come with me. I don't know. I don't know what his standard is. But in this particular instance, he looked at this guy, and regardless of what we see, what human eyes would have seen, Jesus saw somebody he goes, this is somebody who can come and follow me. He can join my disciples. He can be one of us, but for this one thing. And he lays out the one thing. He's like, I want you to go. I want you to collect everything you have. Everything you have, everything you possess houses, clothing, material goods, your actual funds. Get rid of everything you possess, give it to the poor, and then jump on this train. We're pulling out of the station. And the young man was broken hearted. Because Jesus asked the one thing. The one thing that was just, it was a non-negotiable. It was a deal breaker. There was so many, so many answers that Jesus could have given... Rabbi, what is the one thing I have to do to have eternal life? So many responses Jesus could have had that would have been just awesome. That would have led to a totally different story. But Jesus says the one thing. And the young man looks up at Jesus. And he stands up. And he walks away. And he's broken hearted. But, but we have to imagine Jesus is broken hearted as well. Because Jesus saw the possibility. Jesus saw the kingdom potential of this young man. And the young man turned his back and walked away. And Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples... How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And even though he has said it before, he has said it at least once before to this very same group, apparently they didn't get it. Because they're still operating under the cultural mindset of the day that says if you have money, if you have wealth, if you have material goods, that is a sign of God's blessing. Which conversely means if you are poor, if you are broke, if you have nothing, you have been cursed by God. It was the mindset. It was the way people thought. And I don't know maybe maybe it's kind of the way we still think today as somehow we look at those who have and think somehow god is on their side certainly we can find examples of those who are haves who assume because they have god is on their side which conversely means those who have not what they they did something they cursed god in their hearts they they didn't measure up somehow and so god said away with you to the scrap heap but that's the mindset they're operating under and jesus reiterates this is why this is why he throws the poor into the beginning of the sermon on the mount the beatitudes blessed are the poor in spite of what you think Somebody having nothing does not make them accursed of God. Because the poor are just as blessed as any other. Jesus said again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, with man... It is impossible. It is impossible for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It is impossible for the rich to enter into the kingdom. Now, let's just take a break on that right there. And again, I know we're still talking about money. We're going to move past it shortly. Hang with me. In that editorial moment. So, so it, it would seem like Jesus is saying there's something inherently wrong with the rich. There's something inherently wrong with having money. Except, Jesus liked rich people. Not in the way too many in the church today liked rich people. He liked rich people the same way he liked not rich people. He liked everybody. But see, Jesus was an itinerant preacher, which means he wasn't working a job He wasn't taking money. He wasn't taking income. He wasn't taking love offerings at his every stop. He had people who were funding his work. And the people who were able to fund his work were rich people. Uh, It tells us that amongst the many, he was being funded by Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene had money. And she was paying. She was supporting the guys. Remember, there's 12 guys roaming around. And sure, in some cases, they're going to find friendly households who will let them stay the night and give them a meal. But in a lot of other places, they're not. Remember, Jesus meets the woman at the well, and he sits down to have a conversation, and they head into town to get some subway. Subway is not being handed out based on their good looks. I know, I've tried. So there was funds coming in. There was another, a Joanna, who was the wife of Herod's steward. Herod, who wants Jesus dead, is paying his steward, who's given the money to his wife to support Jesus. That's cool. There was another woman named Susanna. There's Joseph of Arimathea. He's a rich dude. He's the guy that comes to Pilate at the end and says, "Can I have Jesus' body?" and then buries Jesus in his own tomb. And there's Lazarus. Apparently, Lazarus had bank, y'all. Lazarus was always, always up for hosting Jesus and the Twelve. You have to have a largest house to, to offer a meal to 13 guys that just rolled into town. And then to provide the food for the 13 guys. And so it's no wonder, or maybe less of a wonder, that towards the end of his life... It's Mary, the sister of Lazarus, who Lazarus is also supporting two sisters. And it's Mary, the sister of Lazarus, who will bring that wicked expense of perfume to anoint Jesus. So Jesus wasn't opposed to the rich, but Jesus saw issues with those who were possessed by their riches those who were possessed by their possessions see that's the thing that makes it difficult for the rich to enter into the kingdom is that they are too tied to what they have it's like it's like a man in the ocean drowning with a suitcase of gold bars and you throw him a rope and you say, grab the rope. And he says, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer, but apparently it's kind of not. And for the young man, the young ruler, at Jesus' feet, Jesus says, your possessions have possession of you. Your possessions keep you from seeing the glory of God's kingdom. Your possessions Keep you from entering into my kingdom with me. Get rid of them. Get rid of them and grab the rope. And I will reel you in. And in that moment, he couldn't let go. And how critical a point is this for us in this nation today? Because even in this country, we have people who are poor. We have people who live in poverty. We have people who have a hard time getting through day by day. People, children who go to sleep every night hungry, who wake up hungry every morning in this country. And our poor, the people of our country who live in poverty, are kings by the standard of the rest of the world. And as I've said before, this is one of the reasons why in many cases it's so hard to see God at work in our country because we have other resources. We have our own resources. We have our own money. We have government programs. We have other things we can rely on when things get difficult. If you want to see what real movement of God looks like Look at other countries who truly know what poverty is. Because they have no choice but to call on God for everything they have because they have nothing. And we're talking about situations where if they wake up in the morning, that is a gift from God. How often do you wake up in the morning and go, I am awake. I have been gifted by God, with another day of life. One. But that's because it's Angela. Even I don't do that. I wake up in the morning and go, something like, ugh. The tone might be a little different, but along those lines, we, even those of us who have so So little still have so much, and it can still so easily blind us to what it is God wants to do. And there's some of us, you know, I share this, and and some of us may respond, you know what, I have no problem with my money, my money, my possessions don't own me. God God asks for money, I give the money. God says, you know, here's an opportunity to support the bats. Boom, here's a check. God says, here's an opportunity to support the canups in the camp. Boom, here's a check. I got no problem with that. Others of us may say, I have no problem with God making demands on my money because I have no money. Fair enough. That's cool. And... You know, there will be those amongst us who God has blessed with the opportunity to make money because he knows that in our pursuit of his kingdom, we will use our resources to support his kingdom. But what if money hadn't been the one thing? What if there's a larger issue at play here than just money? See, see we come back to that original sticking point I have. Jesus says you lack one thing. But Jesus never says what is the one thing? He's like he's like jack plants and city slickers. Comes down to one thing. And he holds up the finger and Billy Crystal spends the entire movie trying to figure out what what is it? You want me to tell you? <laughs> well, I have to tell you, or this is a stupid place to end a service. The one thing, the one thing the rich young man lacked was the willingness, the ability, the heart to give himself completely, completely, to God. You see, the way things work, Jesus gave his life on the cross to purchase us, to ransom us. And Jesus sort of expects to get the whole package. Everything. Everything. I mean, imagine you buy something at the Okay, all right. You go to the store, you go to Fred Meyer's or if you have access to one, you go pick up some meatballs on a dresser. You know, you buy some furniture. You go to Fred Meyers, you buy a bookcase. You open the bookcase, and you start putting the bookcase together, and things go badly, so you take it apart, and then you read the directions, and you start to put it together. And you get towards the end, and you realize There's one piece missing. And generally, it's something stupid. It's it's that one Swedish-made screw that was only invented for this one purpose on the entire planet. And it's not like you can go to Lowe's and pick one up because they got a bin full of them. No, 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 no. Without this one specific Swedish screw that's going to take 12 weeks to mail order from the Internet you have got kindling anybody ever been there i knew it was going to be you how much rage was there yeah and you want to go charging back to the store and you want to like you want somebody to feel your pain you want somebody to pay I have paid for this thing. You didn't give me everything I paid for. What if you had paid with your life? And this is the situation this young man finds himself in. And this is the situation each and every one of us finds ourselves in. Because it's not always about the money. It's about the one thing. When you have me here and Jesus here, what is the one thing that stands between us? And the, story, the, the, the book, the Bible, is full of stories about people having to make this choice. There is one thing that stands between me and my God. Will I give it up or will I go my own way? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, I've always thought it was strange that there's four guys. There's Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And yet Daniel gets to keep his really cool, simple Hebrew name. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get the new Babylonian names. And it's like, why don't we just learn their Hebrew names? Because I bet they're easier. But they're doing the thing. And there's the golden idol. And the king says, you need to bow down to my golden idol. And they say, king, we're not bowing down to your golden idol. And the king says, boys you need to bow to the golden idol. And they said, dude, we're not bowing to the golden idol. And the king says, bow to the golden idol or you're going to die. And the boys say, king, if our God chooses, he can save us from anything you might do. So we're not going to bow to your golden idol. But even if, our God does not save our lives, and we die, we will still not bow to your idol. There's a choice my God or my life. And they choose. And they get thrown in the fire. And somebody else is in the fire. And it's cool, it's a great story. It's in the Bible, you should read it sometime. You know, the story cover to cover, you choose. There's another story just like this. There's a guy, he's going through a really hard time, and it's late at night, and he's praying. And he's like, God, you're calling me to do this thing that uh, seems to me to be like really, really terrible, and I really, really, really don't want to do it. And God says, I know, but I really, really, really want you to do it. And Jesus says, not my will, but yours. My God, my life. Abraham and Isaac. It's always, why why would God? God, nowhere in the Bible is God in favor of child sacrifice. God judges so harshly. Those who engage in such a vile practice. And yet, at the very start of the book, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Well, he wanted Abraham to prove his faithfulness. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I get it. Why? Why his son? Let's think about who Abraham was. Abraham had everything. Abraham had money. God could ask for money. Abraham had livestock and flocks and herds and whatever other animals and whatever you call the gatherings of them. He had everything. He had servants. He had a reputation. Abraham had been promised to be the father of God's chosen people. And yet, out of everything God could ask, he says, give me your son. Why? That's harsh. It seems cruel. Because Abraham, at 100 years old, had waited his entire life for this son. In his entire life, all he wanted, in spite of all he had, all he wanted was this son. And if there was anything Abraham had that was going to make him choose... To reject God, it was going to be that son. And so God says, Abraham, me or your son? I venture to say me in my heart of hearts, I'd fail a test like that. Abraham didn't, and God came good. So no, it's not, it's not always the money. Maybe, maybe God's calling out to you. Maybe you're engaged in an effort. Maybe you have a career, a career you love, a career you've chosen. And God says, the career you are so invested in, this career that defines you, this is not what I want for you. Give it up. I have something else. Maybe it's, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship you have that's getting in the way of a greater, deeper relationship with God. And I'm here to tell you, God is not always going to tell, well, you know people who are not churchy, Jesusy, Christiany people, so you need to cut them out. That is not what I'm saying at all. How are those people going to become Godly, churchy, religiously, Jesus people if we don't go and engage in life with them. But maybe there's a relationship that is just not good for you. And God is going, give that up. I have something better. Maybe you've got a habit. You've got an addiction. And in that instance, maybe it seems more like Not that I don't want to give this up. It's, I can't. I'm incapable of breaking with this thing. And God says, no, you're not. Because with God, all things are possible. Maybe, maybe it's just your plans. Maybe you have plans for how things are going to go. And God's calling you to some different plans. You know, in all my life, I've been, I've been in church like 30 years now. There used to be a time way back in the... Actually, way back in the day is like last year when missionaries would come to your church. And they'd tell their little stories and show their little knickknacks and you'd support their missions. And don't forget to give to the bats because that would be coming up soon. Um, but one of the refrains that was so common is... Oh man, how, I can't even imagine how terrible it would be if God wanted me to go be a missionary to Africa. No! Okay. God, maker, ruler, conductor of the entire everything, says, I have plans for you and they are so good. And you're gonna go, no, 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 Those plans are terrible. I would hate that. Okay, Peter. You know, maybe you have plans for your retirement. Maybe you have plans for what your retirement's gonna look like. You're thinking about beach houses or cabins or, I don't know, whatever it is that floats your boat. Maybe it's a boat. I don't know, you do you, boo. But you have plans for what retirement looks like. And God says, you know what? I think your retirement would be better spent going to Africa. Or to South America. Or to somewhere in Asia. Where you can go and you can minister. And you can be my arms and my hands and my eyes and my voice. God my plans for the for the record this deal right here was never in my plans growing up a small child a larger child a preteen a teenager a post 20 not in my plans not even no Mm-mm. It, wasn't even so, it wasn't like something that was sort of back there, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. It wasn't back there. There were like Jesus minister people, and there were not Jesus minister people, and there was me over here, uh, I don't know, peeling wallpaper off the wall. I don't know. It was not in my plans until God put it in my plans. And see, see, the thing is, we think about what we're giving up. What do I have to give up? God, this other thing, in order to get this, I have to give up this. But, but what did Jesus say? He's like, I am going to give you Everything what i you can't even comprehend what it is i'm going to give you you can't even measure the blessing that comes with a life devoted to christ you're looking at this thing and it's like there and then there's this thing and it's like yeah and you want this jesus is telling the story and he's like look peter says you, you know boss unlike That guy over there, we made the right choice and we gave up everything. And Jesus says, yes, Peter, yes, you sure did. You're a good little guy. But then he says, you know what? In my kingdom, there is nobody who gives up who does not get back more. You give up a house, you'll get countless houses. You give up family, you get immeasurable family. You see, when you give up whatever it is that keeps you from God, you enter into life in his kingdom and you get so much more. I gave up one relationship, but I have now entered into the church where I have countless relationships. I gave up a mother. I have countless mothers. I gave up a father. Countless fathers. A brother or a sister. And I am inundated with brothers and sisters, not just here, but universally, globally. I can go anywhere, well almost anywhere on the entire planet. And I can find a mother and a father and a brother and a sister and a house. And I can find resources because I am part of a global, universal family. And that's what it is to give up the one thing to gain life in Christ. And that's what God calls us to. That's what God calls you to. And that's what I leave you with this morning. That's, The thing you have to decide in your heart of hearts, deep down, and this is just for you. You don't have to tell me, you don't have to tell anybody because you never have. Deep down in there, what is the one thing you are terrified that God would ask for? The one thing you would say, please, God. Anything but that. You know. It's not something you need to think long and hard about. The second I asked it, you knew. Something popped into your mind. And the question I leave you with is what will you do now? Will you give up or will you lack? going to come have the praise team come uh, lead us out in one more song. Uh, We'll then be followed up with one more video. Again, if you're watching out there video, there should be a link wherever you go and find that link. So that'll be cool. Um, Thank you all for being here. Uh, Look forward to seeing next week, following week, whatever. Uh, Pray us out and uh, we will have one more worship song. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you May he make his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance upon you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.